Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, and joining me now is the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Writes for the Saints Wire as a vote for the Pro Football. Oh, he's a Pro Football Writers Association member. And uh, just, if I do say so myself, a very, very nice guy who's great at his job. Ross Jackson joins us now. Good morning, Ross. How are you, man? Hey, buddy. Good morning. Look, I got to tell you, I love having a, I love having like a little bit of a business card here, you know, business pamphlet, as I usually call it, in terms of things, but really, really nice guy is always going to be the one that's number one and top priority on my list. Thanks so much, man. Glad to be here with you. You got it, man. You know what? Just, just you work hard. You be nice to people. Karma's karma's a real thing, right? You know, it it, it what right. goes around comes around, and um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Saints' karma's like this season because last year, with all the injuries, with the carousel of quarterback, with COVID, it was um, you know, it, it was it was a wild year, and yet they still managed to finish mm-hmm. with a winning record somehow. Going into this season, there is some, you know, you ask someone nationally that follows the team a little bit, it seems like. For many, and if you look at betting lines, the perception is yeah, maybe eight wins, maybe nine. Locally, there seems to be a, a little bit more uh, of an expectation, right, to surpass last year mm-hmm. based on some of the additions. And I know Sean Payton's gone, but you know, let's just kick it off with that, Ross. What do you think a realistic expectation is for the Saints this season? I think it's realistic to expect this team to be a 10 or 11 win team. I mean, right there, along with what you mentioned, better than last year. I mean, this team finished 9 and 8 last year with 58 different starters, with you know four different quarterbacks, with four different kickers, none of which were the actual kicker that they expected to have. I mean, having Will Lutz the entire 2021 season would have resulted in very likely one or two more wins. You think specifically to that Tennessee Titans game where they – ended up you know, not feeling comfortable enough going for extra points, so they ended up going for two, and it put them in a situation to where they had to go for two to tie at the end of the game, whereas had they made those other two extra points, they would have been kicking an extra point to win the game or to take the lead for the game. Um, you look at the Atlanta Falcons loss, that was another one. So I think that that's a big piece, just having Will Lutz back that ends up getting you another one or two wins, not to mention you've got Michael Thomas back and all of that as well that ends up happening, you know, ends up benefiting your, your offense massively. And I, I know that the reason why people outside of New Orleans tend to be kind of lukewarm on, on the Saints is they, they kind of go that route of, well, we don't really know what to do with them because of Sean Payton, because of the, the change at quarterback, things like that. But I think that 14-3 and three, 14 to three touchdown to interception ratio that Damus Winston showed you last year was not a fluke. That this team, in terms of its its leadership on all levels of the defense, its leadership on all levels of the offense, has the players, the veteran players, the experienced players, the leadership that they need on that team to be able to, regardless of who's the coach, still be able to produce. But I also think Dennis Allen is going to surprise people and be a better coach than he was in uh, Oakland uh, with the amount of experience that he has and now the roster that he has that he's been building sort of in his vision 
since 2015 or so. So I think it's reasonable to expect this team to be a 10-win, 10-plus win team, a double-digit win team, uh, as opposed to the usual lukewarmness of an 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight prediction that you will get elsewhere. You mentioned Jameis Winston yesterday. He left practice. Uh, Dennis Allen described it as a tweak. Jane Slater said that he said he rolled his ankles. Someone else said, no, it was a foot injury. What What is the latest? What can you tell us, at least, what you've heard about Jameis Winston's status? Yeah, look, uh, he, he went through and get evaluated after he left, whatever happened in terms of the ankle and or foot injury, which for me are, are kind of the same thing. Um, anyway, he it happened during seven-on-sevens. Seven-on-sevens happened, and then special teams drills happened, and then he went out there for another team drill before he was eventually not out there. Saints did three team drills yesterday. He took part in the first one, and then we just didn't see him for the second or third. So I think, you know, you, you consider what it was that they were doing for that day. A part of it was uh, going back into some red zone drills, but then also running a two-minute simulation. If he was dealing with any kind of foot injury that they just wanted to make sure it wasn't going to get worse, you don't want him to run that two-minute simulation. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, it doesn't seem like, like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of concern around all of it. I, I can't say that, you know, he's going to be fine or that he's not going to miss any time or anything like that. Like, this is your starting quarterback. This is QB1 for your team. You've been building this offense around him. Uh, over the course of the offseason. So I think that you you play it cautious. You make sure that he has the time that he needs. He's probably not playing this Saturday anyway up against the Houston Texans, the first preseason game. That feels like that was going to be all Andy Dalton and Ian Book anyway. So no need to rush him back. Just be cautious with it. Does it feel like there's a lot of panic or a lot of, or, you know, a massive amount of concern? But, you know, look, foot injuries, ankle injuries, as we've seen even just as recent as Michael Thomas, they can go a bunch of different directions. You know, last year we saw Carson Wentz sprain both ankles and play every single game last season. So these can go any, any and all ways. Uh, and the only thing we can do right now is kind of wait it out and see. But it sounds like the latest is that it was some type of a foot injury, a tweak, a rolled ankle of some sort that ended up leading to some pain for him. And then he ended up leaving the field, getting evaluated, and then we'll see if we get more details today. Maybe he won't be out there today. I would be surprised if he was, even if he is perfectly healthy, just to be safe for this team. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what we find out when we get to practice today. Ross Jackson, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the first depth chart came out yesterday for the Saints and... You know, there's a lot of – you see Chris Olave ranked as the third team, but he's been going with the ones in camp. Um, If you look back at the first depth charts from a number of uh, prior training camps, you can kind of – not that anyone does that, Ross, but you can go back and be like, oh, yeah, look at that. That's funny. Oh, that's interesting how they did that. Oh, uh, you try to guard against overreacting to anything. So with that said, I'll go ahead and ask you, was there anything about it that surprised you? Um, I, I think maybe that one, I, like, look, you usually take your rookies and kind of push them towards the back in these things. And then your veterans that have been out there, you know, as a part of, you know, your team for a while, those are usually the, the guys that end up in the front. I mean, for instance, like another example of that, like you just described with, with Chris Olave, um, Lyndon Young has been taking most first team right tackle snaps all throughout training camp so far. Uh, as they're sort of making sure that they're keeping Ryan Ramchick comfortable in his ramp up, yet Ryan Ramchick is listed as a starter because he's your projected starter moving forward. And so you always push these kind of younger guys towards the back of it. So just another example of the the opposite way that that goes. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram are listed as your your top running backs. You won't see them on Saturday very likely. Uh, but what was interesting for me was seeing sort of 
Mark Ingram and Divine Zigbo both kind of on that second team when it comes to a running back, then followed up by Dwayne Washington and Malcolm Brown. And then Tony Jones Jr., who's the guy that, you know, they moved on from Latavius Murray for last year, that they, you know, wanted to make sure that they maintained last year going into the regular season. He was now pushed all the way back to a fourth team reserve along with Abram Smith. And Abram Smith makes sense back there. He hasn't really broken beyond uh, third team snaps throughout training camp thus far. He's, he's had them here and there, you know, in this with the second team, but for the most part, he's kind of getting the last two third string snaps right now. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting because I've been saying from the very beginning of camp so far that the standout running back, but not named Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram so far for me has been divided. Zigbo. It looks like the New Orleans Saints feel similarly uh, there as well. The other piece that's interesting is looking over at the defensive side and you get a look at the, um, the defensive tackles, which has kind of been a big question mark coming into this year. And then, so who's going to be that guy next to David Onyemata? And it looks like Shai Tuttle has been um, kind of still that guy. But I'm, I'm looking at guys like Contavious Street and uh, Albert Huggins, who have gotten a lot of snaps in practice. Also very interesting to see um, uh, Carl Granderson up ahead of Peyton Turner, who's had a really, really fantastic camp so far, but Carl Granison's had a really nice camp too, so I think the, the shake-up in the trenches is one that's been really interesting as well, but everything else in terms of safeties as well as um, as linebackers is pretty standard. Interesting seeing Marcus Malis at a strong safety with Tyron Matthew listed as free safety. I kind of expected it to be the other way around. So Tyron Matthew would be your, your box guy, and Marcus may be the guy furthest from the line of scrimmage, but hey, if you want kind of the bigger body in the box, then you want Marcus May there, and that makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it seem like as well, Ross, with the, you know Dennis Allen, not just a head coach, but a guy that's cut his teeth coaching DBs. I mean, he mixes and matches so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of look at, at the, the defensive backfield as, okay, here are your four li- starters listed in a standard 4-3 defense, but that's, that's not how, certainly from a secondary standpoint, that's not at all how Dennis Allen's going to utilize that on game day. Maybe not this Saturday in a preseason game, but when we get to the regular season. Yeah, right. Like this Saturday, you're going to see a lot of the vanilla defenses and things like that, as we like to call them. But, you know, even yesterday when we were watching the run two-minute drills, Tyron Matthew, I don't think I can be very specific about usage, but I'll tell you, like, Tyron Matthew is used a lot closer to the line of scrimmage in that situation than he has been throughout practice, right? So he becomes an additional pressure player all of a sudden in certain game situations. And so game situations, down distance, all those things will factor in. And you can say the same thing about the defensive line as well. You know, Ryan Nielsen told us the other day that there hasn't been a defensive line depth chart in the defensive line room since he joined in 2017. And of course, that doesn't mean that they don't have starters. Of course, they have designated starters, but where they go from there in terms of the next rotation or the rotation cadence changes based upon down distance, game situation, um, you know, game plan, uh, mismatches, your, your what scheme you're going up against, all of that. So you won't see the same cadence of rotations to where it's these four for the first three plays and then these four for the first three for the next three plays and these four for the third three plays you're not going to see that weeks one through 17 that second rotation that third rotation is going to change and sometimes that starting lineup is going to change uh, as well so you know I, I would say that that's true not only of the uh, defensive backfield but also the defensive line for sure ross jackson our guest the host of the locked on saints podcast you can check out some of his writings for the saints wire and a lot of places you can see Ross's content at Ross Jackson Nola. That is the Twitter handle. You can follow him there as well. Be one of his uh, over 11,600 followers. He's done a great job covering the team here 
Let me ask you this, Ross. If if you were to, well, I'm not going to ask you if you were to. I'm just going to ask you to tell the uh-huh. listeners who are Saints fans what is a what is the most healthy approach to consuming a preseason football game. <laughs> um, uh, that's a great question. For me, it's root for everybody on the field. These are guys that are going into their first ever, in some cases, going into their first ever NFL action, in other cases are solidified, or in other cases are, have been trying to catch on in the NFL for at least a year, some for some time. Everyone has something to gain from a preseason game in that it could potentially solidify their dreams, their future as an NFL star, an NFL player. Um, you know, you've got 53 players in a 16-man practice squad across 32 players. So you get just over 2,000 opportunities um, in terms of people in this entire world. They get to play this game at the highest level at some level. And so when you watch a preseason game, it's not entirely necessary to root for your team to win because the record doesn't matter, things like that. What you're really rooting for is A, health, and B, those individual players to come out of the other side of this with a real opportunity either with the team that they're playing for or another team with one of the other 31 teams with a tape that they put up during preseason. So there's lots of good things to take from uh, what we see in the preseason from an individual player standpoint i that that's i'm that's a good way to do it i i watch it the wrong way i guess it's i'm kind of watching it like as if it's a horror movie that i hope never pays off in any way possible you know like (laughs) your your typical teen is in the kitchen and you know she's on a phone and maybe it's you know a handheld and not a cellular depending on whatever the movie came out and then she opens the fridge and oh whatever diana da 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 and then when she closes the fridge you're expecting to see you know the killer behind the door and i i watch with this any time a player goes down i just get really nervous i mean i look mm-hmm. michael thomas isn't going to play saturday but at some point right. if he plays say in the third preseason game the first contact he takes i'm just going to be like oh god you know, I mean, Jameis Winston with a tweaked foot or ankle or whatever, when he first takes that first hit, whatever it might be, anytime any key player gets, and my hope is that it's just, you know, not a horror movie. It's just nothing ever happens, and it's just, you know, she's just on the phone in the kitchen, just a regular night, nothing nothing bad, just get a drink out the fridge. That's, I, I need to, I need, what I need to do is just refocus in a different area, like you said, and not get so stressed, because I... I find it. I don't look. I don't watch preseason outside of the Saints games because um, I, I just I find it boring. It's, mm-hmm. it, I find it to a tease. But I follow the Saints because I cover the team, and you know I, I do get interested in the training camp battles and the guys fighting to make a spot and you know the little bit of tidbits you can pick up pick up on in the preseason. But um, I think I, I think I'm just going about it wrong. So I, I, I appreciate your answer and how folks should maybe consume a preseason game. Yeah, you're kind of waiting for you. You said that that horror movie to pay off. It's it's it's. I know what you did last summer, but the end is you had a good time at summer camp, and, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's what you're looking for. And I think the other thing that I would mention too is um, it's it's a good opportunity to learn. Like if you haven't really dove into uh, the the detail, not the details, but the, the play of special teams, it's a really good opportunity to learn a little bit more about special teams because a lot of the the best moments in the preseason, believe it or not, comes in special teams units, particularly kick and punt coverages. And a part of that is because 
that ends up being the most direct route for some of these players to go from the 85th guy on the roster to the top 53 and, and making a roster spot. And, and so, you know, you watch them play those positions. You watch them play that with an entirely different intensity than you would usually see during like the regular season and stuff like that. Cause these guys are literally playing special teams for their careers. And so you just see a different level of intensity coming from special teams units there. So it's a really good time. If you've ever, ever wondered why, wondered why there are weird people like me, like me out there who get excited about special teams, preseason will give you a pretty good reason. Well, and I think as it pertains to the Saints, you know, you mentioned earlier Will Lutz. That's kind of what I've been hitting on as far as mm-hmm. why I think the Saints take a step forward. I was surprised from me. Look, I know Great a betting. I know from from a betting standpoint, betting lines are just put into place based on what the books think, you know, uh, betters will do. So it's not always a reflection of, oh, this team is going to be good or bad. But you can still read into it, right? If enough people are going a certain way, I think it tells you a lot about, okay, what's the national perception? And then how is the money going in this direction? And the fact that, you know, a year ago, the Saints Super Bowl odds were, you know, not, I think they were 32 to 1, maybe 30 to 1 at this point in time. And in mm-hmm. this year, they're forty to one, and I'm like, I, is it just Sean Payton? Because I'm looking up and down yeah. the roster. I'm like, your 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 receiving core, which was not good last year, is um, is so much deeper. You know, you've and the defense is really good. And from a special team standpoint, Russ, aside from the kicker, and it was a big big part of last season because Will Lutz didn't play; he was hurt. But if you looked at all the areas of special teams last year, and you would know better than me because you watched the film, but it was solid. I mean, for years, the Saints didn't invest in special teams. And then in 2017, they really started to put an emphasis mm-hmm. on it. And it's been, it's been great. They've had all pro, multiple all pros on special teams. And so when you have good special teams, and I think with Will Lutz back, I think the Saints special teams will be one of the best ones in the league. And when you have a really solid defense – you know, offensively, just don't be dead last in passing attack. Just you know, don't 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 play four different quarterbacks in a season if you can help it, right? Just you know, right. have have realistic health. Guys are going to miss games. It's the NFL, but have a a realistic season. The Saints made changes to that staff and the training staff, and there were some issues last year. I'm like, listen, I don't think the Saints. I'm not predicting the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl, but it seems like the odds should be better this year than they were a year ago at this time. And that I, I, you said it special teams. It's, it doesn't get enough love, but it's a big reason why I feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at last year, I mean, this is a team that, you know, was in the top five in terms of punting attempts. And some of that has to do with the, the offensive inefficiency that they had or the offensive uh, sort of issues that they had on third down in particular, they were not a great third down team. They were toward the bottom three. They were 30th in the NFL in third down percentage somewhere down there. Um, and so that's a, a, an immediate situation to where, you know, just like you're saying, like the offense impacts special teams and then special teams impacts the offense. And then one of the issues that they had last year, too, is that they didn't really have a consistent presence. You, know, you talk about those special teamers uh, at Gunner next to J.T. Gray or across from J.T. Gray, rather. And so they were, you know, up towards the top as well in terms of um, in terms of punts allowed. They weren't forcing fair catches and also punt return or excuse me. Uh, punt return yardage allowed per return uh, was another big issue for them. And that was because they kind of had our, you know, you want to talk about injuries, you know, we're talking about how the injuries uh, set in. The special 
Kings unit was impacted by that too. You had a rotation of guys that all of a sudden weren't available. You know, Ty Montgomery was your go-to gunner opposite uh, JT Gray. He dealt with injury throughout the season. At one point, you had Jeff Heath playing gunner for you, and if that's happening, then you're you're you know you you have reason to expect that you're not necessarily you know at your healthiest. And so the Saints finding that you know a consistent presence and somebody that can produce at you know. You're looking for another Justin Hardy. You're looking for another yeah. Chris Banjo. You're looking for one of those guys to be that you know partner, that Robin to JT's Batman. And if you find that guy, which are, are some really, really good options, I think the third day of camp they rotated, I counted 18 different players, not including JT Gray, giving reps there. Uh, so they're really, really, you know, looking for that guy. They're looking for the up man. They're looking for all these guys that are going to be able to contribute there and then be able to produce uh, a better product on special teams because they believe that it's a third element of the game that will help them, that can help them win. And, you know, we're used to the Saints being top five, both in terms of average drive starting position for themselves and also the average drive starting position that they force for opposing teams. Last year it was a little bit different in the latter, so they'd like to climb back up there. Good stuff. Ross Jackson breaking it all down. Ross, how can folks listening get your content? Well, you can find the Locked on Saints podcast every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube as well. Uh, and, of course, you can keep up with all the written work at um, over at saintswire.usatoday.com. And, of course, you can find all of it. The easiest way is to just follow me on Twitter, honestly. That way you see everything. There it is. Uh, and that's at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, five days a week, guys, right? It's a, it's a daily podcast. It's not every now and then or here. He is, uh, he is on the right. grind. He is getting it done. Man, before we let you run, a non-football question. I, uh, I learned mm-hmm. a little bit about you when you went on uh, Chris Connor's first podcast for Spaces. And Chris is someone that, mm-hmm. you know, I've had on the show for, for a number of years. And I just, I just, I love Chris. So, um, yeah, awesome. your uh, your background in theater prior to mm-hmm. joining, you know, I I I love theater. I was kind of a theater kid growing up. You know, mm-hmm. do, what is what's what's your favorite production you've ever gotten to be a part of, and why? So I got to do. Um, I I really kind of had two because there's one that's like the one that I'm most proud of, and there's another one that I just love. Um, so the one that I'm most proud of is that I, I worked on uh, Wicked on Broadway for a while. Um, so that's probably the show that I, I will usually bring up. I got, I got to do three Broadway productions, which were Wicked, um, uh, Book of Mormon, and uh, Peter and the Starcatcher. And so I loved being, but Wicked in particular, I loved and Wicked being like a part of it, it. like ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years ago. It was like the Broadway musical. Yeah. It was the top yeah. of the line. I mean, I saw it a number of times. It's great. I mean, I love the, who doesn't love the music from Wicked? All right. I, uh, I celebrated their 12th, 12th year anniversary on Broadway uh, with them. So that was really cool to be able to be a part of that. But, but my favorite show, the one that kind of like paid the heart as opposed to just the, the bank account, uh, was uh, a show called Nickel Mines, which a friend of mine wrote, directed, created. We developed it. Well, I went to grad school at UC Irvine. We developed it there. We took it to New York. We took it to um, we took it to Connecticut for a little while. I mean, it, it, it was a beautiful, beautiful musical that follows this really tragic story, but tells the story of like community forgiving and things like that. Really amazing music and everything. Um, his name is Andrew Palermo. He actually was in Wicked for a while um, and has done some really phenomenal work. So um, that was a that was probably my favorite one that I've got to be a part of. No one mourns the Wicked. 
Great stuff, Ross, man. I, uh, I appreciate it, dude. I feel like maybe you and I should have more conversations off the air about theater stuff someday. But in the meantime, oh, it's now all that I know that you're a theater kid. I got you. It's all it's all it's all saints on these airwaves. I say that I'm lying every now and then I'm going to ask him stuff like that. <laughs> appreciate the time, man. Continued success. And everybody, if you're not already, go follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola and then get links to all of his great content there. He is on top of it, covering the Saints daily over there in New Orleans. Appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure to be with you, man. Uh, Be safe. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Ross Jackson, one of the nicest guys in the business, one of the hardest workers in the business, man. Got a lot of respect for that guy and, uh, you know, the work he's put in to his craft and his quick ascent in, uh, in this business. A lot of respect for Ross.